0: I'm in max 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 You are listening to Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. I'm in max 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why hello and welcome to season 28 episode 13 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Howdy, I'm Stork. It's been a while, Stu. It has been. It's been like a month. We don't talk much anymore. No. And we're well we're going to go back to uh, weekly Starting in July Cool We'll probably say uh, Saturday mornings for a while But eventually we'll also Switch back to Friday I don't mind Saturday the Saturday morning. mornings I just, I just miss your shiny pate It is very shiny today <laughs> It is I was out working The I was hanging, hanging stuff and getting the studio prepared for back to in person stuff, which will be. Oh yeah, that's other news. Also, yeah, we can discuss month, that as well. Cool. I believe. So in this in this um, episode, Andreas writes in about convention games, and we're also going to do the the two uh, things we did last week, but it'll be different. So, because I'm here. Because you're here. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We do the show live on Saturdays at 9 a.m. apparently. We, I guess the schedule has been saying 9 a.m. and we've been starting at 10. This is a to me, too. I just happened to be looking. I'm like, oh, my God. But I, I just got a notification that I'm going to need to pick my kids up after a hike. And it's probably going to happen between 10 and 11. So we'll go ahead and do it when it's scheduled worked out yes uh, so at 9am uh, pacific time at happychecks.org slash live and you can join us there and there's no one in the chat room because everyone's probably expecting us to start at 10 <laughs> <laughs> that would be my guess sorry guys oops I believe I'll uh, let me just double check I believe yes there, there are two bots in the chat room and that's it it's <laughs> awesome alright um, first off Okay, I'm going to ask Stork this Because I'm ready I'm ready for this So you're 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 in an elevator Okay The elevator's going down Someone gets in They're nervous And they tell you My that, elevator's always going down It's plummeting Right Me <laughs> And the, someone gets in They're like I'm really nervous I'm going to be GMing For this first time Is there any advice You can give me Because my game starts in a minute Yes Two say- things I would
1: Two things I would tell you Okay First of all, your players are your friends. They want to be entertained. And they're not going to hate you. Don't be afraid. It's like going to an audition as an actor. The people on the other side of the table want to cast you. They want to be fans. Your players want to be want to enjoy your game. They're not going to hate you. Second of all, be a fan of your players. Don't get caught up in the weeds by trying to. I uh, think don't get caught up in the weeds by by. Um, trying to, to second guess them or, or get in your head. Be a fan of your players and uh, don't get mad if they make a decision that you don't. You, that's not your job. Your job is to just say yes and and help them and be a fan and be, and be excited about whatever they choose to do and whatever character they choose to play. In the past, when I was younger at 15, I would have a definite idea of the tone and what I want my game to be and I would sort of punish my players for Wandering off or making stupid characters, don't do that.
0: Right now, the the the, um, the the players are your friends. That's something that hasn't been touched on yet, and that and I think that is critically important, especially for someone because being a GM is like be, is like being a performer. It's like being on stage because you are sitting at a Now it's a small it's a stage with a very small house. You only have four to six or eight people who are your audience, but. And it's a collaborative exactly. thing. It's not just yeah. I'm standing on stage performing for people, but there is that sort of anxiety about it. Totally, that sort of uh, that's extremely similar to stage fright. Absolutely, <clears throat> and it's in fact it, it, it might even be a little worse because it's a more intimate situation, especially if it's at a game convention when it's people that you don't know. They say the number one fear that people have is public speaking,
1: and being a GM is a l- is a chunk of that. It has the same anxiety right. attached to it.
0: And I think it's important to remember because I mean, there is a tendency for people to sort of catastrophize any any situation they go into and, and sort of obsess on the worst possible outcome that could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also there's also a tendency for people to to sort of attribute um, not the the best motives to people. We tend yep. to do that by default. More and more, I think, as as time goes on, we're we're getting more and more like that. And I think that it is important to remember that the people who are sitting down at the table are there to have a good time. Norm. And th- those people are extremely rare. And the the, the, the the chances of getting a whole table full of those people is ex- extremely remote. And it only takes one or two people who are like, no, I'm here to have fun, I'm here to have a good time, and contribute to the good time, and if you just have one or two of those people, all of a sudden that kind of dissipates the. You must entertain me, people, and it it, it makes them less relevant. So I mean, it, it I think it is extremely important to remember that everyone is there to have fun, mm-hmm. and, and they're your friends, hey, right? This comes from this comes from actors
1: auditioning. One of the biggest, hardest, most most artificial things in the world is going in for an audition because. You basically walk into a room, and there's a bunch of people sitting at a table with their arms crossed, judging you. Right. And then you have to you have to bring your best at that point. And what people and actors fail to remember is that the people on the other side of that table really want to cast you. They're, they don't want to be in this room any longer than they have to. It's an awkward situation for everybody. They're like, oh, my God, these people are, you know, and they can smell the nerves. It starts to make them feel weird. It's, it, it's weird for everybody, but there's right. no other way to do it. So the actress to come in, and, and and the thing the actress remembers is that the people on the other side of the table don't don't want to hate you. They actually want to cast you and, and move on with their lives. Yeah, they want to find the
0: right person for every role and get the fuck really, out of there.
1: They re- and they really do want you to succeed. they were like, oh God, I really wanted you to be good. So. It's something to remember that the people on the other side of the table are not your enemies. They are your friends, and they really want to have a good time. And it can be up it can apply to role playing as well, the role playing games as well. The people on the other side of the table are not people that you need to attack. That you, you don't even need to impress. They just are there to have a good time. We're all there to tell a story and have fun. And it's not a competition. It's not, they're not there to judge you. They're not going to. They don't hate you, and they're not going to. Sometimes you get the wrench thrower who's you know thinks it's fun to just sort of t- uh, you know upset the tables on you and stuff. But that's not always the case. Sometimes it comes from a player motivation Sometimes it just comes from somebody being bored. But these people are there and they're your friends. Relax, <laughs> you know. Um, there was another t- there was another side note I was going to have with without auditioning. It'll come to me in a bit. But um, yeah, that's that's it helps with the nerves. Oh, I remember what it is. In some of the acting books I've read where nerves, nerves come from a lot of different reasons. You know, when we get up on stage, you get nerves, you get a little bit stage fright. Everybody gets our heart rates elevate your, you know, you start your eyes get wide, you you can feel it, but uh, it can get crippling there are famous actors that have gone through that have been on stage their most of their life and all of a sudden they come down with stage fright and they can't it's crippling and every actor every performer has had that happen whether you're in a rock band whether you're a folk musician whether you're an actor every performer has to deal with nerves and one of the greatest things I read recently was about how you take the concept of nervousness and anxiety and you turn it into excitement Mm -hmm. the same physiological responses happen from nervousness has happened to excitement if you relabel those nerves as excited suddenly you're not terrified anymore you're excited to be on stage right. you're excited to perform you're excited to gm you're not nervous about it it's just a simple relabel in your head i'm not nervous i'm excited right and and it will, it's, it will, like, it's a paradigm shift and it will change the way that you are now approaching it instead of being terrified you're now excited to do what you're going to do
0: it's like, Channel it's that it's like a racehorse like a race oh, like are they nervous that they're about to, to, to go race or are they excited to get out and, and run as fast as they can it's, it's a simple two trick sides and the same it sounds one. stupid but if you just think of it as being excited instead of being nervous it will erase all of that fear right and i think that the the being a fan of your players i think that is um, I mean, and that's something we say a lot but it is really a, i mean a core a core concept for for GMing in a way that makes you not a prick. It's really hard to do, especially when you have players that are being pricks or doing dickish things,
1: or you're like, why are you ruining my tone? My I delicately spend all this time plot, plot, setting up a, a great creepy plot, and you've ruined it, you douchebag. And it's really hard, but you have to remember to be a fan. These, this is their story. They want This is the one they want to tell. And, right. I mean, at some point you could have a discussion like, is this it? You know, I'm, I've been setting up a, a dark, somber tone, and you know, you made a guy that throws pies. Well, uh, you know, do we want to change the tone of the of the game? Because that's not what I had set out. Right. You know, but that's a discussion to have later. You don't take it out on them in the middle of
0: the game, right? And I think that the I mean, I mean, you have to remember, or you should remember that the, the 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 player characters are the protagonists of your story, and. I mean, as a GM, you kind of need to think of it like you're reading a novel—not writing one, but reading one. It's like if you—if you really, it's like a really good book. You always end up caring about the, the the protagonist and the story, right? And when they have, when bad things happen to them, you feel bad for them. When good things happen to them, you feel happy. And it's, it is critically important. To have that kind of a mindset. Now, it's not to say let them let, let the player characters do whatever they want, because you have you, you want to have an interesting and challenging story. So, I mean, if there's pitfalls and there's bad things that happen, you need to let those things happen, and and you'll feel bad about it. You're like, oh man, I didn't. Or like like when I kill a character in a game in a in a in a campaign that's been going for a long long time, I always feel bad about that. Because it, you know, it's not like you should. Yeah. I think you know, and it, unless it's unless it's a, someone who said, Okay, I figured out my character's gonna, gonna go out in a blaze of glory. You know what I mean? And that that kind of situation where the whole thing is extremely well planned, but when it comes as a surprise, like your character got killed, and it's like oh, I kind of feel bad about the character I like that character.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's also again another mind trick you should play with yourself, is it's not as a GM it's not your story. It's our story you're just helping to facilitate it and i think you need to remember that the story that you set out to tell is not your story anymore i mean jib was always famous for saying uh my plans uh hold up right up until the moment they make contact with the players right and it's important to remember that it's not your story anymore the minute that you release it into the wild and the players have interaction with, with it it's our story now and you need to let it go you need to let it go and roll with whatever the players are doing and that's what I say be a fan of your players So, because instead of like hating your players for messing up your story hating your players for messing up the tone hating your players for not taking the plot clues that led to this awesome thing that you spent three weeks planning be a fan of the choices that they're making anyway and it's hard it can be hard sometimes you're like damn it I spent three weeks drawing out a wizard tower developing NPCs and you guys went and left the town and went out into the woods and I don't have anything planned damn it but that's their choice, and it's, you'll, you'll find if you relax and roll with what they have, everybody's going to have a much better time anyway. Exactly. And now, like I said, you can just now take your wizard tower and turn it into a underground mine, and they fund it in the woods. <laughs> that planet can be used. It can always be used. I'm always a big fan of, a fan of repurposing stuff. But it's... It's important to remember that it's not your story, it's ours. It's a collaborative story part. And so in the middle, if you find your blood pressure rising and you start to get mad, take a deep breath, be a fan of your players, and remember that it's uh, you're all telling the story. It's not just yours. I know we say that a lot, and it's hard to remember. It is. I love, I love how my
0: green can is looking. Look <laughs> is that LaCroix? What is that? Yeah,
1: it's a... It's a... Oh, well, it's a... Long,
0: it's a long, oh key lime as opposed to regular lime
1: I don't, I don't know what a key lime is they're I little, guess it opens doors
0: they're little tiny things they're not that big but they're there's just key, key lime, lime pie I don't know. well yeah, it's made out of key limes but there's, they're, little, they're little tiny because it, my neighbor next door has a key lime tree right next to our fence and so I, I get key limes I don't use them but these little they're little tiny guys, yeah, and they're they're limes, but they're just little itty bitty
1: guys. Little limes. That's about all you need from a lime, really. You know, it's not like you get these giant limes. Like, it's like I have a lemon tree. Yeah, I so eat, do I. Eat, I. Like, one lemon a month at most. But you
0: know? I try to use one <laughs> a week but it's like I can't I can't keep up with all these lemons what do you do with lemons all lemons all my neighbors have, have a standing invitation to come into my front yard mm-hmm. with a bag and take lemons whenever they want it's a
1: really old lemon tree it's a Meyer lemon tree and the fact the neighborhood has voted our lemon trees the tastiest lemons and we don't do anything to it we ignore it but it's uh it's been there forever so right I think the lemons the lemons are actually almost like oranges. Nobody here. This is a Southern California thing. It's like, oh, my God, I've got so much citrus, I don't know what to do with
0: it Oh, It's like first world problems. Yeah, I, I, my, my ring doorbell goes off, and it's my neighbors coming to my yard with a bag. And, Toop, doop, 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 doop. I yeah. said, just make sure you leave a couple of ripe ones for me. Yeah. And other than that, take and all you want. be careful when you pull them off the trees so you don't break branches and things. That's it. All they're going to do is sit on there until they get overripe, and they're going to fall on the ground. And squirrels eat them. Well, I think the coyotes jump into the yard and eat them. Yeah. Because coy- coyotes. coyotes love love rotted fruit. It's Raccoons. And, and yeah. There's a myth about
1: L.A. People think L.A. is just a big, vast, a concrete city. And it kind of is. But it's surrounded by a lot of sort of hills and valleys and what they call arroyos. And there's deer I've seen deer from the freeway. we've got uh, coyotes, we've got bobcats, yeah. bobcats, uh. bears. The, the, the other day, like in this next city over in Monrovia, there was a bear that yeah, the girl yeah. pushed off a fence. I, it, was, it was like, you know, getting into your yard. I didn't realize that was local. The I, there's raccoons, they killed my first cat. I mean, we've got so much wildlife that wanders into L.A. It's, a, it's really kind of strange. I, am not from here, I moved here, I've been living here a long time, and I still get baffled at the fact that... There's a lot of wildlife in the evenings that wander through the city.
0: Even when I lived like, in La Mirada, which is what 30 minutes from any freeway, and it's right in the middle of a concrete jungle, and that whole place, you would think there's no there's no wild animals here. And then, but when I lived there, there was a family of raccoons that used to come and eat cat food because I kept the cat food in the in the front yard. The raccoons would come and <laughs> They'd made it really loud, and it yes. was it was mom and dad and like four little babies. And then a year or two later, the four babies w- w- were showing up by themselves and they were getting bigger and bigger.
1: We also have a skunk that wanders through it. Like once a month, he does his patrol and you, you, you know when you have a skunk around. Oh, yeah, Everybody you knows. So, I mean, it's it's funny. Maybe that's something you put into your fantasy games. It's like, I think we have more wildlife wandering through our modern city than any medieval town I've ever built. <laughs> of course, in medieval towns, they like,
0: is that a coyote? Let's eat it, you know? Yeah. dog. all right uh the email con games i'll read half the front half you can read the second half from oh, Andra- oh. this is from andreas but con games it's kind of a response to the last guy said some fascinating stuff in here though that i thought was kind of crazy about how they organize games in sweden we in have sweden. a huge contingency of people yes. in sweden Hi Stu and the crew. First off, let me say how much I enjoyed Murmurs at the Abyss. AP Call of Cthulhu is such an AP-friendly game, even though it's pretty old school. As the mechanics and crunch-heavy combats are not taking up much of the game time, but the story and the characters do. Thanks, Stu, and thank you for, for thank and thanks to the very entertaining players.
1: I just want to stop you there and say that's a really good jamming note as well which is to try to hide the mechanics as much as possible and, and maybe keep it about the stories. and, the, and, the, and Yeah, that's a, that's a good... I remember playing GURPS with um, the MOOC, and he hid all those mechanics and just made the game fun that way. Right? Right. Instead of worrying about, oh my God, what are the multitude of things he did, he would just move it along. And that's a really great thing that great GMs do.
0: Yeah, I think my my next campaign is going to be a, is going to be GURPS. I've been refamiliarizing myself with the mechanics, and I'm like, yeah, I, it's amazing. Most of, most of my knowledge is of, of third edition, not fourth, but it didn't change much. Mostly it changed in character creation, not not in the, just the regular stuff in the game and you
1: know Stu I bet if you just ran it like third nobody's going to know or care ah, no they
0: would <laughs> wouldn't well the only the only time you'd notice is it, 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 during combat they went from having three types of damage to like a dozen which yeah. I, I I don't know if
1: that was unnecessary. But again, you could hide all that. You could just say roll your dice and you figure out if it's crushing. Yeah, I I, mean, I or have a,
0: I, st- I went and found I found my all the old tables I made of all the shit that I would need to know from fourth edition that's different. Mm-hmm. And I have I found my I, one of those old GM screens I made out of uh, two uh, binders. Binders, and it has the you know the yeah. the pages cool. inside, and it, I had it's got hero in it, and it's got gerps in it, and. I had something else. It might, might have been Mongoose Traveler. I don't remember. So, <sighs> But again, uh, nobody's going to sit around and take you to task if you're, if
1: you're using the wrong the slashing damage. Not table at the because. table. As long as the combat's moving along, I think your players
0: will be happy. The internet will. <laughs> 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 a That's few re, uh, reactions to the letter on uh, tw- 2812 about running old and obscure games at cons. I have not been to a face to face game convention in years. As real life with kids intervened, after I had spent 10 years of my youth regularly visiting a couple of cons, but back in those days, and in general here in Sweden, things were, are, done a bit differently. And this is where the world turns upside down, because this is craziness. <laughs> I'm just going to say. <laughs> okay. In spoilers. Well, not the beginning part, but it goes on. Uh, more often than not, the game is advertised by the title, a short blurb, of insetting information on the situation and then the game system might be mentioned back in the 90s that game system was often freeform quote or unquote. as we would say here homebrewed right or fuck the rules um <laughs> or if the game system was was mentioned it was rarely used more than the character sheets was used as a guideline on what your character could and would do I know. It's not so much a rule as a guide, right? I know. I thought a few times that signing up for a game to try out a a setting and system was a good idea, but it never was, (laughs) as the game system was almost always superfluous. If we relate Hmm. that to the individual who wrote in in show twenty eight twelve, without trying to entice people to sign up for obscure games, the question becomes: What made us sign up to a game? when the game system was never used it was the title and the short blurb that did it people quickly became good at describing a scene with a with good drama and excitement and a cliffhanger that enticed you to sign up and resolve that issue it might be elevator pitch yeah it might be useful even if you do use the the game system and it in it in itself will not draw in players. You want to fin- conclude it? Sure. As an aside, a Swedish peculiarity... This is where it gets crazy.
1: It be- <laughs> ...seems to be the sign-up system. We did not have individual sign-ups. Yes, you read that right. You signed up as a group. Yes, that group of friends who came to your living room table, went to a convention, and you played with those same people in a different place, sleeping and eating badly for a weekend. I'm pretty sure that other systems make more sense. I'm all for the North American way, personally.
0: That is you crazy. You want to pause there and discuss that? Is that is crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine? Now, I, now, I know people that do this. We used to do this when we used to, you know, back in the 70s, when I first started going to game conventions, and then the mm-hmm. 90s, when I started going back to them again, um, we would sign up for stuff together. Two or three of us would all sign up for the same game, but it was never assumed that you were going to do that. Right. I mean, I used to always sign up for, like, Diplomacy, but no one would ever come and... None of my friends like playing Diplomacy enough to play it at a game convention, but that's the easiest place to play it, because you don't know the people you're going to be backstabbing. Well, I did find, like, at our conventions,
1: that a lot of the same Happy Jacks crew, people, and even people I would play with would sign up for my games. Right. Or sign up for our games. And so even though um, I maybe wasn't playing any game with them currently I had played with them before and now they were in my game at the convention and I sort of felt I, I think I've been on record as talking about it like I kind of want other people who aren't associated with the right. to come in and try out a new system and so we can meet new people and you know I also sometimes want a GM for new people because it's a whole new experience a
0: new vibe you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I mean the I mean and the other thing is I mean one of the reasons that we go to the game conventions is to also spread the spread the word about Happy Jacks as well and mm-hmm. that helps when you have people who don't know about us signing up for games. Right, and if you, so again,
1: in Sweden, if you show up with your old game crew, you're all sitting down and somebody else is just, so really all you're doing is just having a guest GM for a while. You're not, right. nothing's changing. You're not being exposed to new ways of play. You're not really being exposed to a new system. You're just doing a one-shot with a new GM. I, I, what are you getting out of it,
0: really? Well, I mean, you get to see how someone else GMs besides whoever it is that always GMs for your home group. That is important. I have learned more about yeah. sitting in on other games than I ever did jamming on my own. But I mean I mean I, I I met so many people who ended up becoming members of our our sort of gaming circle back in mm-hmm. the 90s late like late 80s early 90s that at game conventions because they signed up for games alone I agree and then yeah. you know I mean I met a lot of a lot of gamers that way I was like you seem cool here's my number we, we we do a game on you know every saturday or whenever it was if you want to come and Come and sit in and see if it's for you. We yeah. used to do that all the time. You know, it was a that was a kind of kind of how now people will will go and play in public at a at a game store to like sort of vet, yeah. vet new players. Yeah, that's what we do. that's what game conventions and and I mean the the people who are good players they shine yep. all the time.
1: <clears throat> so no, you can in the North America way we can be circumvented again because and uh, this has happened as we're touching upon which is sometimes. A group of two or three people will sign up for the same yeah. game, yeah, and so in a, they're ostensibly from the same gaming group, and all of a sudden they're in the same game together. And sometimes it's you know a father and son, sometimes it's three friends that usually mm-hmm. game together. Sometimes it's somebody who's uh, just doesn't want to be exposed to a brand new person, their you know anxiety or whatever, so they want a company, which I get. But it is it's a completely different thing when eight of you, the, you always game together, are now show up in mass, and then and it almost sounds like they're doing more than. More than a four-hour game, too. It sounds like this is like an all-day thing, but I don't know about that. Charges? I don't know. Um, yeah, that's the our convention is also just everything's done on a timely manner. Every game runs was it four hours, and then they you end and you move on and you either do another game or you're done for the day. So so there's a schedule to keep as well, and you know, I don't. I also think it is i mean our games also talk at there's an elevator blurb about what it's about but um i know that jim also lists setting right next to it too so if you're stormbringer curious you can go through and search by setting and find out all the stormbringer games or you can also just go through and find a uh, an elevator pitch that you like and then look over and see what the system is so there's a, a couple of different various various ways to pick a game um in the north american way right 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 exactly all right let me end with a small rant. Can we please stop referring to games like software releases? <laughs> Why on earth do we call it DnD 3.5 and Mongoose Traveler 2.0? It sounds ridiculous, and compared to software where a small minor release number or patch level will be very crucial in game systems, it often matters far less. Can we not just call it 3rd edition? The difference is more significant versus... Second and fourth. Surely, if you need to specify, why not say third edition revised? I bloody hate the three point five slash one underscore T one A B games in my RPGs. End of rant. Uh take a drink. I I know I need one. Cheers, Andreas. Kurt in Sweden. Kurt, I agree with you. And I also start getting really confused about it's like the Star Wars is like, I don't know when you're talking about is it is it the first Star Wars, or is it the prequel? Is it the for fuck's sake? Just call it D and D. It's D and D two
0: ish, <laughs> D and D three ish. Well, I, that's not that's. I blame Watsy. because they came out with third edition. <laughs> yeah, and then they came out with another third edition. Yeah, well, uh, then Pathfinder because there was which the took old, all that stuff, and, and well, there was the old third edition, and then there was the new third edition. Which people just started calling three point five, right? Because it wasn't fourth; it was still pretty much a very similar system. But they fixed some shit. And the Mongoose Traveller, though, they didn't really
1: fix that much. They Just sort of streamlined it and added a couple of things. It's still the
0: uh, original, It's still very. They changed playable. The, they, yeah. It, it is still a very similar system. They changed the way initiative works. A couple other things, but a couple of most of, of things. most of it. I mean. Yes, you can, between the two, but it is, it is a different edition, and there there are people that like, for, like, Tappy prefers Mongoose, the first edition of Mongoose. I prefer the second edition of Mongoose, because it seemed a little more streamlined to me. I prefer the first one myself. Do you? I really did. Um, What's like to be wrong? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I just, the, the, um... I just started calling them that because out of habit because people started and I think it started when people started calling the new third edition
1: 3.5. I thought 3.5 was Pathfinder. No. Because they no, needed a way to differentiate. They came out with
0: two complete sex, sets of the of the core third oh, yeah, edition rulebooks. Right, they, they came yeah, out yeah. with They came out with the 3.0 books, and then they went, oh, you know what, we kind of fucked some shit up. I don't even know really what changed much, but when I originally, I bought those books, the original 3.0 books, as I'll call them, the the third original, that's shorter, um, (laughs) but I bought those just to kind of look through them years and years and years ago, and then like within a year or two after I bought them, they came out with the revised edition, you think they just sat around and went, we need more money.
1: How can we're going to get some money? I know. Let's revise these books, add some new artwork, a couple new rules, and charge
0: them 40 I, bucks again. I, personally, I don't think they play tested the first edition enough. If they had tested it more, they probably would have found all the breaky shit. That's my understanding. Yeah. I really don't know. I never played three or three five. I have no idea what the differences are between them. I'll bet it has something to do with feats.
1: It always I think we're does. also. He brings up a really good point about software. I think we're all really conditioned to knowing exactly what little thing is different. And, you know, it comes, at, like I said, our, our Star Wars analogy. It's the same with the movies. We're like, is this Star Wars prequels? Is this, you know, when you say number one, we're all conditioned in this world now to know exactly what niche this fits in You know, before we can move on with our lives. Uh, he's right. What the fuck? Just relax. You're playing Mongoose Traveler. It's gonna be fine. I'll tell you the rule that I'm using. It's not gonna ruin your game for you,
0: <laughs> okay? Well, it's, just roll with it. I'm seeing people are referring to Dungeon World as 2.0 too. I just the the, the the superfluous part is the point zero, except for D and D. When they came out with an edition that wasn't really that much different than the first one, they just fixed some shit. Yeah, I get it if it's,
1: it's, again, like video games. If they've completely changed the game engine, you know, it's a different game. And the difference between Advanced D&D and and 4 or it's huge. It's just, oh, it's fuck. like, it's not even the same game. <laughs> and that's understandable. But for the most part, if you're just <clears throat> tweaking this a little, right, I'm, I'm with you. Right. Just don't get hung up on the niche, for God's sakes. Just, it's the game. It's just going to be a game. I'm going to DM a game. You're going to have fun. If there's a rule that's going to happen, I'll tell you what it is. If there's something you want to do, ask me. If that's like, but just don't get hung up. it's three point five you know,
0: and that, the, and well, that you sometimes know, I, it also leads I mean, to. you do want you do want to delineate between different editions of the you game, do. especially I'm if not it, saying that, especially if other material that comes out for it matters. Right? You know what I mean? Like if you I do, if you have, if you change the way your monster stats work, and we're suddenly. You know, one, you know, one point D anD D like modules will no longer give you the information you need to run the game in in third edition. No, I it's get that. An, it, I mean, it, it's important to know that because I mean, and,
1: and players building their characters too will need to know you now what spells to use if whether they have you know what feats are available and depending on which edition you're playing, some of those are not available and others. I get that, but we get so hung up on the label that we just forget to have fun. Right. <laughs> I think that's kind of Kurt's takeaway. At least my takeaway, too. Um, Andreas. I'm sorry. Well, Andreas, Kurt.
0: that no, is right. There's so many Kurt's. There are. Uh, I think that's why he goes my Andreas. That would be my guess. Man. All right. All right. Thank you, Andreas Kurt, for the email. Oh, you, you know what? Kurt? He's calling himself Kurt because I think everyone is starting to call themselves Kurt. Oh, okay. I think that's what's going on. I feel like we missed something. did we miss anything? no we have world building should have role? we have world building to do now oh that's right that's the thing right so what we're doing is i'm as people come in every time a host comes in i'm making them come up with something for um for a fantasy world that some ideas. this is my
1: favorite part of gming isn't it it's coming it is up I fun i love it you <laughs> love this part i love coming up with ideas and i love it and then i get so carried away in the details that's the part i have the most fun with and then then the game's a letdown i just spent three weeks in heaven doing maps and coming up with hierarchies and wizard schools and now i gotta run it (laughs) ryan (laughs) that's not entirely true but i i enjoy the world building part of the most
0: okay what is, so, so let me, let me just, and this is going to get briefer and briefer as we go on as this thing, as this document grows. But, uh, last, last time Tappy came up with, uh, Miraposa Grove, which was a, a bunch of giant trees, sort of like sequoias, that, uh, like create a sort of, uh, gestalt sentience and they drop pine cones on people to either chase them away or hurt them and they also drop nuts that turn that turn into these sort of vine golems that go along and attack people who are who are uh invading the forest and it's not so much that they don't want anyone in the forest but if you go in the forest with an axe they're gonna you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you yeah, i was that, just that reading
1: way. something recently on in my news about um how trees sort of communicate there's a whole web of roots and fungus and stuff underground it's like if if another tree is sick or whatever the trees around it respond very slowly much like ant time but there is a definite (laughs) reaction between the trees around the sick tree over time which scientists are just now beginning to figure out and why because there's a lot of stuff happening underground all those roots do interconnect at some point so the whole ecosystem underground it's a whole thing that they're beginning to realize that it all you have to communicate, do is not not in a way, in some sort of way, there is a a response, which is what a res- what communication is.
0: Right. It, it, all you have to do is see a Jerusalem cricket or a potato bug to realize there's a whole alien life civilization beneath our feet. Those potato bugs <gasps> are terrifying. <laughs> Oh, awesome. I found one once. I, they're not up in Oregon. I never. I'm one of those things.
1: Forget, I freaked out. Oh, yeah. Out. I lost my shit. I could not believe that. They're huge and they hiss and they. they oh. And
0: they have those weird ass markings on the top of their head that make them look like they have a smiley face. It's
1: disturbing as fuck. I did not know what it was and I thought it was going to kill me.
0: Oh, yeah. They do bite, they're not poisonous. Oh, though. great. It's yeah, a good thing them. I
1: ran the other direction. I, I, was, I was screaming like a schoolgirl.
0: I got bit by one. <laughs> they kind of oh hurt God. Oh, <laughs> hold on one yeah, second
1: anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about you can look up Jerusalem cricket or look up uh, the potato bugs are different the ones we had up in Oregon are the little. the keep talking um, keep talking we'll, about that i, I got to take a phone call real quick oh okay that's, that's fine <laughs> so uh, yeah the, the whole Jerusalem cricket thing um, I'm actually going to go off of what what he had with uh, Tappy's Grove I kind of I he mentioned that earlier and I was thinking about a really great uh, addition to that which is and, and the, the whole tree thing sort of tied into it which is Perhaps there is a, a, a druid or a being that protects that grove. And my thought was, because I love comic books, to go with a Swamp Thing kind of thing, which is there was a druid that died there, and his bones live in that grove. And so when the trees really need a protector, they animate this bones and, and cover it in vines and such. So there's sort of this undead vi- animated druid that will interact with players. And, and oh, you're making an NPC? I'm making an NPC attached to this grove. Okay. Which is, uh, there, was a, there was a druid or a ranger or somebody that died within that grove, and whenever the the, the trees need um, a physical protectorate, they animate the bones of this druid in vines and leaves and muck and moss, and it'll come up out of the ground and interact with people. And it is the collective consciousness of the trees as in a sort of a physical form. Now, it can't leave the grove. It can only sort of stay within the grove, and it can give advice. It can also sort of physically attack. But it is sort of a an, uh, a swamp thingy druidic tree being,
0: almost like a revenant, almost. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and it would be a physical manifestation of the of the of the tree of the parliament right. trees. I'm writing this down. And I would power wise, I would, although it was sort of beyond dead, I would give it high druid powers. Yeah, um, it could anything. If you really needed a template to use, anything that, say, a I don't know, twentieth level druid would have, you could assign to this character. Does it? Does
0: it? Uh, do, do the locals who live around that forest have a nickname for this thing, or what do they call it when they? Oh, that's a really great idea.
1: I, you know, you could go as simply as as simple as the Green Man.
0: Okay, I'm also coming up with a NPC okay my NPC is the mayor of Bridgeton which is this the city I came up with two weeks ago which is the city that's built on the like miles wide bridge over this river uh, I think I, I mentioned uh, two weeks ago that uh, that basically the the, the the bridge the original bridge had been there forever and they started building on the edge sides of it. Because there was not enough room on the banks, and it was unsuitable, and people thought it would be safer to build on the bridge. So they started literally building the city on this bridge, and this bridge is now, I mean, it goes across the river maybe 100 yards or something like that. But the width of the bridge now is probably close to a mile, maybe more. So it's this big, huge area, and the city spills over onto the banks of both sides as well. This bridge,
1: just specific for me, is it built out of multiple different materials? Oh yeah, is all haphazard thing. It's or all is haphazard. It a, is it been engineered to do this, like Tiwatiwakan or something?
0: No, it, it, there was original stone bridge, and it's been it would, had been there for so long, no one even remembered it. People say it probably started out as a marketplace. That's where the marketplace would be, as was on this bridge, because there's probably two cities on either side, and then as the cities grew, they they started adding. Adding to the bridge, making the bridge wider. Some of it's wood, some of it's stone. And do parts of it collapse on occasion, and need maintenance? Uh, not so much. Um, mostly because um, about it, they're real careful about the bridge because about a generation ago, they well they, people they used to transport underneath the bridge on boats. Um, but it, it, it's so wide, it, it gets you go in for a little while. It's suddenly pitch black, and about a generation ago, people stopped ca- emerging from the other side. So no one really dun, wants dun, to dun. go underneath the bridge at all. Right. So if there's a hole, people aren't going to go in. I mean, there are holes in the you know in the street where they have like a well where the bucket can go down and dip it into the water. And, but no one's seen anything. No one knows what what's happening when those people disappear.
1: And when parts of the bridge just collapse, they just pave over and build a new yeah. building over
0: it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the NPC is Alston. Borgenschlag, and he is the Lord Mayor of... Borgenschlag. Bridget- Borgenschlag. <laughs> okay. And he is extremely friendly, he's a typical politician, he's corrupt, big fat guy, with bald, with a big comb over, and he's also probably involved with the local crime syndicates, but he's a total typical glad-handing politician. He's like, kisses the babies, and... You know, if if they had if they had photographers, he would do photo ops. Oh, you want to take a selfie with me? Take a selfie with me. He'd, he'd, all that kind of shit.
1: If there was a movie character, who what would he be most like? Like, if you were watching a movie, would he, he see similar
0: to Boss Hog? Not Perfect. a movie character, but a, I mean a Duh. television character. Duh. I know exactly who this guy is now. <laughs> exactly. So, and he is the mayor, Lord Mayor. He's an appointed. He's not elected. He's Lord Mayor of Bridgeton. Got it. All right. And you did, and we have the green man who lives in. The yeah, we could call him the gardener. We can call him the caretaker. But you know what? I like the gardener because that's okay. that's almost. Yeah, it's almost more ominous because it seems so innocuous. Yeah, let's call him the, call him the gardener.
1: And I'm as I'm thinking about it, I the reason the reason he's there is he originally planted the growth and he died there, and so the trees have animated his they animate his skeleton and cover him with vines and with so his muscles are vines and sinew, and, you know, so
0: he's... Much like the sort of, uh, the, uh, golems that... He's basically sort of like an uber-golem, kind of. Right.
1: And the way I see it too is, he,
0: is he's always he's sort
1: of always attached to the ground. Whenever he takes a step, you know the vines have to detach and then they reattach and then they
0: regrow into the right. The okay, so it's,
1: but it's quickly. But it's like
0: and it probably comes in not not just spreading from the bottom of his foot, but probably from underground. Roots exactly. come up as well.
1: Right, he's got some mushrooms growing off of him. You know, there's a. And uh, sometimes he's not there, and so he just has to grow up out of the ground, and sometimes he's there the whole time. I mean, again, as, as a GM, you can you can gauge that if you want. I mean, he could be there the whole time, but I kind of like the idea of having a, you know, it's this, it's a big grove, and he tends the trees, and, yeah, and he's a protectorate, And it's a physical way for the trees to interact with people on top of dropping nuts on them.
0: Excellent. Okay. All right.
1: Hope Tabby doesn't mind. I just like the I like that setting, and I kind of like that. I know, it it's, like it's cool because you know I love Rangers, and uh, if oh, it's something in the wilderness, I'll go with it. Right.
0: <laughs> All right. So we're that's about it. Um, did anyone know Oh, Erica. There's a few people in the chat room. Hi. Hello. Tabby. Hi. We started early. <laughs> yeah, we right. started at nine <laughs> <laughs> because the schedule said nine, so we started at nine, and that's about it. I will go ahead and. And close this out. Where's my soundboard? I'm going to have to get a new iPad. My iPad's starting to get sketchy. I'm bummed. Uh,
1: planned obsolescence there, Stu. I know. It's terrible. It's just like the human body.
0: I and mean, I even got this cool little thing for it, because it's on this little stand here. That uh-huh. I can move around. And uh,
1: To be fair, you've had that, like, oh, five years? Oh, maybe oh, ten?
0: This, this iPad? Oh, I have no idea. This is a... I think this is a second generation iPad Air. It's the little mini mini one. It's a small one. I'm going to say that's cuz original years old, right? the original iPad Airs were little, right? Yeah. It, and then they eventually made iPad Air the regular iPad size, but this is yeah, this is like the first or second generation iPad Air. I'm going to say it's like 10 years old. Does that? that it, might fair, right? it, it might be. I'd, I'd, it might be. I I'd have to figure it out. So it's probably about time. I think you got you your money's, money's worth, worth. I, yeah, i'm sure i did you <laughs> never get your money's worth out of any it'd <laughs> <laughs> have to it'd have to work for 20 years <laughs> although it, it, if this thing is 10 years old and it, it's possible it might i don't know if the ipad's are that old but if this is a very early ipad if it is that old and it's still working as well as it is even if it is on the fritz once in a while that's pretty good and most laptops don't last that long
1: Smash, smash! Cut to Stu's spending the rest of his day looking up how old
0: his iPad is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, come on. Yep. Nope, wrong song. There we go. <laughs> P- professional. Have- Thank you for joining us for season twenty-eight, episode thirteen. Oh,
1: ish? Do we really need it? It could be it can yeah, be thirteen. 13 point.
0: 13.0 of Happy <laughs> Jacks RPG Podcast My name is Stu <laughs> I'm Stork And we'll see you next week for episode or season 28 episode 13.1 uh, Right here uh, I think in two weeks on Saturday Two
1: weeks
0: Maybe at 9am Pacific time We'll see
1: We Thank all you. look at the schedule too Look at the schedule It's on the site Right And while you're there watch some APs
0: There you go Thank you for joining us we'll see you next time Bye there you go. Here
1: Has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire.